The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the dining room of Edison Hall, England, 1926, in the company of, among others, Professor Peach, Reverend Golightly, and Agatha Christie, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 336. And this is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this fine broadcast, well, actually, it's, well, it is a broadcast in a sense. It's um, maybe a time-delayed broadcast, but um, we are, it's a podcast, and it's going out broadly. So, <laughs> so... So, yeah, so joining me, um, as always, uh, across what we would like to call the pond, others call it the Great Atlantic, Atlantic Ocean, Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hello, and it seems as though all the ladies have withdrawn from the dining room. The port's to my left and the cigars are coming round. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Good to have you back on board, Dave, on the USS Podshock. <laughs> yeah, hey. And uh, also joining Dave and myself, going back now across the other side of the pond, back into the uh, what we like to call the U.S. of A, Mr. Kyle Jones. Hello, Kyle. Hello, gentlemen. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. At least it's at least we're not saying not again. <laughs> no, I, a good again. Yes, always a good again. All right. Well, good to have you back on board, Kyle. And always, always. Joining us also here in the merry states of the U.S. is Mr. Lee Shackelford. Hello, Lee. Hi, guys. Good to have you back Lewis, as well. Did, did you did you introduce yourself? I I did, I, I, I did, did it at the beginning just to get it out okay. of the way because otherwise, if I don't, um, if um, usually in the past when I introduce everyone else first, then I fail to introduce myself, and then I realize it somewhere in the middle of the news. Oh, by the way, this voice, <laughs> oh, yeah. this voice is Louis Trapani. Um, it's news <laughs> to me, listening. so it's in the news segment. Yeah, that's right. So we're back. It's May. It's the middle of May. And uh, those that have been following the podcast may be wondering, what, well, what, what, what's going on? It's the middle of May and we haven't had an episode out in probably um, a good, what, six weeks? Uh, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, um, I know we recorded um, in February and we probably had a, that episode probably went out in March. So um, I do have to say that I did have a little... Um, Surgery, which was kind of scary, but it was not nothing too serious. It was, um, I guess you could call it routine surgery, but it wasn't routine for me because I've never had surgery before. And uh, um, so I was a nervous wreck going into it. And uh, um, but I'm recovering well from it. And it's been 
about a few weeks now since then. So um, every day is um, better than the last. And I'm looking forward to just getting back into my regular routine of things, which is um, pretty much there. There's still some restrictions I have, but um, other than that, um, things are going, you know, back to where they should be. Well, you know, those Zygon suckers, they weren't a good look on you, Lewis. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. See, I was going to say, and now that data port on your forehead will stop opening every time somebody snaps their fingers. <laughs> So, well, I'm just glad well, I didn't regenerate in, on the operating room table. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But you were in, you have to admit, you were ready for an upgrade. I was ready for an upgrade. And they, they did an x-ray and they said, this man has two hearts. That's not possible. It must be a double exposure. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see you push the door down like that. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> So, but I'm hoping everyone else's um, daily events were, well, I should say their daily lives were uneventful, or at least, or, or if they were eventful, they were good events. Oh, no, I've had a terrible time. Uh, I've been a, a ganger, I was dead, then I was a Roman, then, an, um, what else was that? Oh, yeah, then I had gout in my foot, that was the worst of all. And that was just last <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of them lasted for 2,000 years. Yeah. Uh, that was a killer. Uh, yeah, until the Pandora car opened. All right, well, um, most of us are, I guess, somewhat in spring right now. I mean, unless you're in the southern um, hemisphere there. So um, things have been um, blossoming here, and allergies have been acting up, and um, the weather's been... Um, Somewhat, um, well, they, 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 the uh, news reports are saying that last month was the warmest on record as far as April goes. But I can say May here in New York has been a little chillier than normal. But um, I'm sure we'll all be melting in the heat before we know it. Sure. Yeah, it's oh. been unseasonably cool in North Carolina here. So, yeah. Yeah, it was actually kind of cool here in Mississippi um, the last couple of days. So, quite interesting. Hey, as yeah, long as Go ahead, I'm sorry, UK, Dave. Uh, sorry, uh, here in the UK, April, it was really cold. But talking about uh, allergies, um, uh, Ian sends his apologies. He can't be with us today. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of allergies, so yeah. are we allergic, to, allergic Ian? to Ian? <laughs> so Ian's just, involved. Just Dave. Uh, he, he, well, he's a married man. I don't mean involved um, in, in that in the biblical sense. I meant uh, he's, he's, um, <laughs> he, he's engaged <laughs> in a play. And um, and that's uh, yeah. because he's a big thespian, and um, you know, and that's been taking him away from um, our little merry podcast here. That word again was thespian. <laughs> thespian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> we, you know, we should also probably explain. Uh, Dave should probably explain why we were opening. Uh, I was just going to say unicorn and the wasp. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of thespians, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Take it away. Yes. Well, um, uh, as soon as uh, Lee, who is chased, that means uh, the ports to his side, he needs to pass it around the table. Um, we're we're all in Best Bib and Tucker because eight years ago today it was when Unicorn and the Wasp aired, uh, and there's lots of little secrets that I'm sure um, 
Lee could regale us about on this episode, not least of which is uh, David Tennant's own father, uh, who sadly passed now, uh, appeared uh, in this episode. And uh, some great uh, actors, Felicity Kendall, who's been in lots of good things. Uh, sorry, Felicity Jones, I should say. Um, Christopher, yeah, Christopher Benjamin, uh, known from the uh, Jago and Lightfoot uh, Big Finish and uh, from the... Uh, yeah, and uh, Tom Goodman-Hill, who played the Reverend Golightly. He's been in awful lots of good stuff. And it, it was a very, um, I think, one of the most successful historical episodes that uh, uh, the Doctor Who has aired. And that was exactly eight years ago today, as we record, 17th of May, 2008. It's hard to believe it's eight years, you know? It's just it's one it? of those it's things. incredible. Yeah, and I mean, it's um, and it will always be a special in my heart because I, I love this episode so very very much, but um, my um, my uh, good lady wife um, is a lifelong huge fan of Agatha Christie, but she had not been watching Doctor Who, so uh, I was able to spring that one on her, and uh, so she's been following the show ever since. But yeah, the uh, being able to bring her a Doctor Who that had Agatha Christie in it was a real was a real treat. So we yeah. look back on that fondly. Yeah, definitely. I need to rewatch that again. And uh, it's uh, apropos for one of the reasons. Sorry, guys. Um, although it wasn't the first episode where we see Catherine Tate, I do believe it was the first one that they recorded with her as the companion. It, hmm. it eased her into the role. Hmm. It, they do like to do that, don't they? They do. The first one aired is like the third one shot, you know, once yeah. they've... Yeah. 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 Well, I guess... And you know, what's... what's go ahead. You know, what I was going to say, uh, what's so interesting the, with with that particular... Um, that, that series with David Tennant and Catherine Tate, you know, when we started talking about using that as the live from for this episode, I was sitting here thinking they had such great chemistry the two of them that oh, yeah. that I think is one of my favorite seasons overall uh, that I've seen since it's come back was that one with him and uh, Catherine Tate as Donna. I mean, it's I'm just sitting here thinking about it now. And it was there's nothing that I could complain about at all, except, well, cause she left. <laughs> so. Very good. Mm. It's sort of news, being that it was eight years ago today, but it's going to probably uh, bring us into our news segment. So uh, without further ado... Yeah. <laughs> the classic old typewriter. You know, speaking of anniversaries, uh, this um, this summer will be our 11th anniversary of uh, Dr. Upachak, and that typewriter has been uh, with us all that time. So, you know, it's... Wow. Uh, it's been an old friend here on Doctor Who Podshock. It's not, you know, it has very little to do with Doctor Who itself, but it's um, no. it's a classic. It's uh, well associated with news for those of us of a certain age. Yes. You don't hear that in the yeah. in the background of your shows anymore. <laughs> but it's actually a teletype machine anyway that you're hearing back there. But yeah, after, after 11 years, surely it's time to change the ribbon or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a ribbon. Okay. <laughs> now he has know. a regenerative ribbon. <laughs> All right, mint on those. Well, the, our news is pretty um, well casted with uh, casting news. It's um, it's a very classy act, and that brings us to the first news story: is um, 
well, you know, for our longest time, for a long while, we've been wondering what's going on with the new spinoff that was, um, you know, rumored to be. Well, I don't know if it was it was actually announced at some point that there was going to be a new spinoff for Doctor Who uh, called uh, Class. Um, but it was a long period where we hadn't heard anything about it. And now we can say that um, there's more information that's come out about it and including uh, the cast announcement for it. So uh, um, now. Uh, Dave, maybe you want to run off the cast names. Do you have anything, any input on any um, of the cast members? Um, obviously, these are um, uh, talents from the UK. Um, I'm myself. I'm not familiar with any of them, but maybe you might have some insights. Uh, no, no, not really. In fact, you know, a little secret here. I, I'm I'm getting on in years, and uh, when I saw this cast, I thought, and and, and for, excuse me for thinking that, I thought. Are they the children or are they the teachers? Yeah, but, well, yeah, it's rightly so because we were all expecting it to be a younger cast because we, I mean, f- from what we understood, it was going to be, um, you know, basically like, I mean, I think when it was first sort of when this new series first was, um, you know, um, surfaced, uh, the news about it, it uh, at least from what I recall, it was going to be sort of like the class of... Um, you know, uh, that we saw or, or um, you know, that we saw, um, you know, in the series, you know, with um, the Coal Hill School from, um, you know, where. Clara. Was. Clara, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was having a little mental. Uh, speaking of getting old. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm getting but these it, little senior moments. So. <laughs> So yeah, so we were expecting. Uh, at least I was expecting a, a, a younger class of, um, I well, a younger set sector of um, ages. Yes, uh, I was thinking it was going to be a little bit like uh, Ali- uh, Wizards v. v Aliens, you know, the Russell T Davis one. But um, yeah, in the in the picture that uh, is shown uh, on the Dot Two News not Dot Net site, at least. Uh, on on the extreme right is uh, Catherine Kelly, who's playing the role of a teacher. But the other four people in the picture, which all look about three years younger than her, are playing six formers. Um, uh, but I don't know any of the uh, the actual uh, anything they've been in. But it's uh, uh, Greg Austin, uh, Faddy. Oh, why do you ask me to pronounce these? Uh, Faddy with a surname, Sophie Hopkins, and Vivian. Operad. So El Sade, El Sade, I'm Fatty El Sade, I guess. Oh well, yeah, I see. You really I'm guessing. I, I could be. I could uh, be. I'm notorious for um, you know destroying people's names. So yeah. Now my excitement about this new series was slightly uh, uh, downplayed because um, here in the UK, at least, it's going out on BBC Three, which, um, like Pluto, has been downgraded. Uh, now, this may be a shock, a spoiler to people, that uh, Pluto is no longer classed as a, a planet. And uh, unfortunately, BBC Three is no longer classed as a uh, uh, over-the-air transmitted uh, channel. It's going online, part of the uh, the big shake-up at the BBC. It's just had its uh, licence reviewed, but thankfully for 11 years, it's charter. But uh, it's having to make some uh, quite... Uh, significant changes, one of which was losing the BBC Three, which to me seemed rather silly because it was a young, vigorous channel. And uh, with all the younger people going to the internet already, 
you could argue that the BBC have followed them there, but in one sense, it would have helped retain younger viewership and then they would eventually start watching things on BBC Two and Four and, and other channels, having progressed, no doubt, from BBC uh, BB, BBC children's programmes. So, no, I, I don't know. Uh, there's some information on the page, but um, I'm not sure I need to read it out. But, um, yeah, Classic is based in Coalhill School, of course, and uh, uh, the creator is Patrick Ness, who says, we search far and wide for this amazing and fantastic uh, actors who understand what we were aiming to for with the show and how lucky we are to get Catherine Kelly. She's been a stunning, stunning in Happy Valley, uh, the Night Manager, and Mr. Selfridge. Now, those are all big programmes that, unfortunately, I don't watch. Happy Valley is a police... Uh, I was a, about a, a police woman. I don't think she played the main character. The Night Manager... Uh, has just finished two absolutely rave reviews. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, I think, is the main character actor in that, and he's being now mooted as a possible next James Bond. And Mr. Selfridge um, is um, has been a historical drama based on the Selfridge stores and uh, was a little bit of um, a copy, I thought, of a... a program the BBC called The Paradise which was about another shop and um, and I think that's uh, the main actor in that was a Canadian actor but um, so she has got some pedigree unfortunately not the sort of shows that I have followed so uh, the, it's, it's certainly not um, a cheap production and it looks as though it's getting all the resources it needs and it's also a joint production with um, a channel I'm not familiar with um, over stateside, um, which I'm not picking up on the page at the moment, but I read somewhere else. Um, let me see. Um, I think, in fact, it's going to air on the other channel first. Um, as long as it's not Fox. <laughs> we've already, had, um, we've already been there, done that. Uh, uh, it's picked up by BBC America. Oh, right. I thought it was picked up by uh, someone else, another, uh, another channel. But... Uh, yeah, uh, there's only eight episodes in this initial run. Well, my my assumption, and I, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but from, I mean, just from the feel of it, is that I'm assuming it's going to be something along the lines of, you know, the Sarah Jane Adventures. It's, um, it, it, would I be mistaken in, on that? I mean, it seems like it's you know, younger people, maybe they're aiming at younger viewers. I, I don't know. Well, uh, I think so. Uh, the breakout teens, I suppose. I, I assume the the thing is that because Clara uh, has taught at the school, uh, maybe some attention, its profile has been raised. Maybe there's some sort of uh, uh, gaydar or alien radar or whatever they call it, and it's showing up signs of uh, unusual behaviour behavior around school. I don't know, but... Um, they have to deal with normal stresses as well. It's uh, uh, Anybody who is a fan like me of the Buffy TV series knows that there can be a really rich vein uh, to tap when you can get uh, adolescent youngsters both dealing with, um, you know, uh, frightening and real world and alien threats and, uh, you know, what you're going to wear at the proms type of uh, dilemma. Um, Buffy was excellent at that. They would have, uh, they're all crouched around the table saying, I don't know what to do. I can't face it. And all it is, is they've got some, um, you know, they've got some uh, uh, 
Parents' Day coming up or something like that, and you would think it was an invasion of, uh, you know, zombies or something, but they were more scared of Parents' Night than there were zombies invading the school. Well, I mean, imagine there's going to be some science fiction and fantasy incorporated into it, being that it's a Doctor Who spinoff. I think um, the audience would be oh, yeah, disappointed if it wasn't. I think it's going to be a Mel, that's the point, you know, uh, where every day, you know, it's a zip mm-hmm. one day and it's a creature another day, you know. Well, we think it's you know, a zit, I, I, and then it's really um, a mind control device I, that's implanted in someone's go. skin. You know, I read somewhere over the last couple of weeks or saw a picture where they were, they were filming class and there was a picture of uh, the TARDIS A blue box. So, there was like a big blue box and it said police right. call box on it. Right. It kind exactly. of looked familiar. Like I'd seen it before, but I wasn't exactly sure. I wonder who it belongs to. <laughs> it had a big light on the top, too. Yeah, it says here, the, um, and I started to read it, and um, they have to deal with the stresses of everyday life, including friends, parents, schoolwork, sex and sorrow, and also the horrors that come from time travel. The Doctor and his time travelling have made the walls of space and time stretch thin, and monsters beyond imagining are planning to break through and wreak havoc upon the Earth. Oh, very cool. So, but being that it's only going to be eight episodes, I'm imagining it's probably not going to be where the Sarah Jane Adventures had part one and part two. It's probably going to be a longer episode and probably like complete stories within each episode. Or they might be it might be like a soap opera type of thing where there'll be archers where there might be continuing story story mm-hmm. threads. But I'm, that's what my my guess is. Yeah, one eight hour long story. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, possible. eight. I mean, eight episodes is not unheard of in the UK. It's something. That's, I mean, that's that's no, um, no. it was standard fare with uh, with most um, UK programming. Yeah. Well, I think Jekyll was only six episodes, and mm-hmm. that was a fabulous miniseries. Right, I believe Life on Mars each season was eight episodes, and you know, same thing like with The Office and many other UK programs that mm-hmm. made its way here in these to the US. Right. The Midsummer Murders. Sometimes the season is four episodes, sometimes it's 13. <laughs> so look at Sherlock. Well, yeah, that's that true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three. Man. I haven't read anything by uh, by Patrick Ness, but so my understanding is that he's a very, a very well-known young adult writer in the UK. Um, I guess that's not um, that's not something I'm reading anymore. But but um, but my understanding is that that's. That's that his uh, his milieu is is horror for young adults. So I have a feeling that part of the idea of class is that it's going to be scary. Yeah. Scary kitties. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in 2001, he wrote a book called The Monster Call. So he, he has done. Yeah. As always um, on Dr. Pachak, we always um take some time to um, give our fair farewells to those that have passed. And uh, since um, last episode, there's been several passings. Uh, uh, some, um, you know, obviously some related to Doctor Who, some not so not so much. But, um, but one of which is, um, I'm not sure if he's actually was in Doctor Who proper. He was, I know he's, he was, he guest starred in Tortured and most, uh, mostly known for his, um, title role in Blake Seven was, uh, Gareth Thomas has unfortunately passed away. 
to, yeah, I don't. He was never in Doctor. Who, I don't think he? he was in Doctor no, Who, no, as far he as was in, he was in Torchwood. I said that, yeah. And but uh, you know, it's it's. I mean, uh, obviously, there's there, there's lots of connections between um, Blake Seven and, and Doctor Who, as far as you know, the creative team, you know, behind it, you know, um, it's it's it has its roots, you know, pretty much in Doctor Who, you can say, and. You know, and and at, and at the time, those were the two um, British um, science fiction. You know, I, I mean, I'm sure Lee can back me up on this. Is back in the day that was those are the two that, and I guess he would include Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the, the TV series as well, were the staples of British science fiction television that we saw here in the U.S. Um, back on you know the PBS days. That's true. Uh, except to the degree that the Avengers would cross over into mm-hmm. sci-fi yeah. from time to time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did an episode of the Avengers, by the way. So wow. I'm just looking at his. I'm looking at his IMDb now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that has a Terry, a Terry Nation uh, um, connection as yeah. well, doesn't it? With um, with Doctor Who from that. But yeah, Coronation Street, Zed Cars, uh, Sutherland's Lord, uh, How Green Is My Valley, and uh, uh, famously, apparently, he never actually uh, watched uh, himself. Uh, never watched any of the episodes of uh, Blake, uh, and of course, um, famously, he wasn't. He wasn't in most of it, and only came back for the uh, the coup de grace in the final episode. Yeah, I I wish they would. I mean, I, <laughs> I really wish they would release, release the Region One's CDs of um, not CDs, DVDs of the of the Blake Seven series. I was um, it, it's uh, infamously they had announced the Region um, the Region One DVDs before the Doctor Who DVDs were released or announced, and uh, but they never came to be. And right now they're only available as Region Two DVDs. Mm. But it's so. I mean, I, I bring that up because if you do have a chance to catch the, the Blake Seven series, we do highly recommend it. It's something worth watching. I mean, it was it was done in what the the late seventies to the early eighties, so it has that same feel of uh, of Doctor Who at that time as well. You know. Same quarry, yeah. <laughs> same quarries, yes, exactly. Same quarry. Oh, <laughs> they were shooting probably on opposite sides <laughs> at the same time. Can you time. Keep it down over there? Can you keep it down over there? <laughs> yeah. having a dramatic scene here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 78 to 81. So, yeah, they were shooting that while... So who would have been the doctor then? Colin, Colin Baker. No, yeah. well, no, it was um, Tom Baker through uh, Tom Baker, and t- and then introducing um, Peter Davison. Really? Yeah. Boy, Tom. Have I got my? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm always I always want to make um, the uh, the days of the um, sixth and seventh Doctors longer than they were, but they <laughs> were they they were pretty slim actually. You're right. You're right. Of course. And um, uh, also, uh, uh, Dave, you had mentioned the two Ronnies as well. I and mean, we're not talking about the Ronnie, not, <laughs> not oh, the Ronnie, the not the Ronnie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not the R-A-N-I yeah. Ronnie. Yeah, the, the, the second pair of the two Ronnies, the Ronnie Corbett uh, passed away, eight, 85, um, born in 1930. Um, and obviously he did lots of uh, stand-up and was famous uh, I mean, the two Ronnies is still uh, well regarded in the UK and uh, often brought out. He was in a, he played a, 
uh, another little character called Timothy in a, a, a lovely little comedy called Sorry. Um, but um, although not directly related to Doctor Who, he inherits the TARDIS from the Doctor of Sorts, played by Ronnie Barker in their 1983 Christmas special sketch, The Adventures of Archie. And he was later to appear in the Sarah Jane Adventures universe, playing an ambassador that later turned out to be a Slovene in the 2009 comic release segment for From Raxa Kalifakori. Anybody who can say that with love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. I'm not even going to attempt. That, that name, yeah. <laughs> yes. We, should, we need him for that. We need him for that one. He's good at that. All right, well... Uh, and there was the third one who um, who actually was a bona fide on Doctor Who. That was uh, Reg Whitehead, not maybe as well known, from 1932 to 1916, um, died aged 83. He's best known in Doctor Who for having played the first Cyberman to be seen on screen. Oh. I was the Cyberman. <laughs> uh, during their invasion of the Arctic base in the 10th planet. And he went on to inhabit the insides of Cybermen for their successive stories, the Moon Base and the Tomb of the Cybermen. And then as a Yeti in their debut story, the Abominable Snowman. Classic stories, yes. And, of course, he was in other TV series here in the UK, said Cars, Avengers, The Saint, and so on. Mm-hmm. All right, well, all sad passings and great losses, yeah. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, these all happened. I mean, we're not going to talk about them here, but um, what a terrible opening couple of months, three months it was. Um, we've just had the uh, the TV BAFTAs here in the UK, Um I don't think we've got it written down here, so I'll mention it now, where Michelle Gomez was up for a Sporting uh, Actress Award. She didn't win it in her category, but um, uh, the actual um, montage that they did of uh, uh, actors and people behind the scenes who've passed was very poignant. Um, and many of them seemingly so recently. And I think it's spread over uh, a few genres because there's been... A lot, of course, with the, people like Prince, a lot in the uh, the musical and uh, rock world. So, um, basically, the 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 um, what do you call them? The uh, the baby boomers, the first of the baby boomers to be going, really. Mm, yeah, it's, it just seems like this um, year has been one gut grunching, you know, death after another. It's just uh... mm, it was definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, in uh, more um, enlightening or um, brighter news, more upbeat news is that the biggest, I guess, news concerning Doctor Who is that we got to meet the new companion and does um, and and we'll we'll find out if she fits the bill, as it is to say. Um, Oh, Oh, damn. (laughs) Yes. So. Um, it, um, the announcement not only had, uh, you know, uh, not just a name attached to it, but it was a little featurette that we got to see. And Pearl, Pearl Mackey plays uh, the new companion. And the new companion is um, Bill is the name. Not, not Billy Piper, but Bill. Must be a tribute to William Hartnell, surely. It's probably. It could be. And this is um, 
hold on. You know what we have? And we actually have a clip for that, thanks to Dave. Twenty seventeen needs us. Yes, that's uh, Pearl Mackey as Bill with um, po- uh, um, po- um, j- um <laughs> that guy Paul Capaldi Cap- as uh, the doctor there. Peter Paul Peter Blitter. Peter Paul Mary. <laughs> that was not just a clip of Bill. That was the clip of Bill. Yes, because right now that's all we got. That's all we have. I think there's an awful lot you can tell there. And um, uh, if I may go first, one of the things that upset me about this uh, is the fact that um, Peter Capaldi at some interview was saying, you know, oh, we're going different this time. We're going different. Um, uh, We're going left field. Now, to me, this is about as central as you can get. The um, the young girl asking the doctor what's going on. Um, the um, the actress certainly uh, seems capable. I've seen her in I think it's a, um, a program called The Doctors, which is um, a daytime program which deals with the you know the personal and occupation occupational life of doctors, and um, in that she plays. Um, uh, well, she has an, uh, she's not one of the main characters. One of the doctors who's the main characters has a, a date with her, like um, uh, on, a, on a get-to-know-you date. Uh, so she, she, and she sounds completely different in that. She's uh, dressed as a professional, and um, she can obviously act uh, different uh, styles. 
Um, amazingly, by the way, this actress, uh, 28, uh, in less than two weeks as we call this, she turns 29. But to me, her demeanour on screen, she was playing the character, and maybe the, this was the instruction. She seemed to be playing a more like a 18, 19-year-old. Often this happens, of course, actresses uh, older than the age of portraying. But um, again, uh, as I'm sure quite a few people will say, She's human, well, apparently human, apparently contemporary, although uh, I think Dar Skeptical when I said she was wearing contemporary clothes. What do you mean contemporary? They, they look from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I was, well, was going to say uh, that there's some theory, some fan speculation that it, she's probably, she could be from the 1980s. Yeah, well, uh, so, well, that's nearly contemporary for me. But, yeah, but what I meant is she's, you know, she's not from a Victorian age. She's not from, she's not a Roman warrior and she's not from an alien planet uh, she's not an in insect girl um so uh, to say that they've gone completely different this time i would have said that's not the case of course we don't know the backstory so that that's what i was going to say yeah yes yeah. go on kyle no, no, no. I was just saying uh, exactly what you just said there at the end. You know, we're going off of two to three minutes of things that we're assuming from the two or three minutes. It, all of that could be so far in left field, as he said, to, you know, what the character actually is. We don't know yet. That's that's the simple truth. We don't know yet. Hmm. We don't know anything but the, except the name Bill. Bill. Which might stand for Wilhelmina, for all we know. I kind of hope it does, actually. <laughs> Certainly better than me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, 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 we can't really judge it until it actually, you know, we actually see how. I mean, this was obviously a this little featurette was put out there so to as a reminder, like Doctor Who still exists because we're in this little sabbatical year where it's um, on hiatus, where we're not going to see any more Doctor Who until at least Christmas time, and then we have the, the series ten or whatever um, is next year. So it sort of was, um, you know, in, in a way, I wish we were just, you know, it was just announced and maybe we saw some pictures and then we got to, you know, to see her actually introduced in the actual episode itself. Um, you know, not that this was horrible in any way, but it's just um, it it would have been more there would have been more anticipation that way here. We, we sort of, OK, well, now we already know her in a sense. We feel like we already know her. her. We don't know everything about her, but we were, we've already met her. Uh, Lee, I mean, uh, are you aware of uh, what she's been doing on the stage? Because I think that's something that would have would interest you if you're aware of it, and certainly will when you know about it. Ooh, no, I, I'm, I'm looking at her IMDb page and seeing that basically, apart from the doctors, <laughs> being landed as Bill is is her only other screen credit. So ah, no, not what, screen, yeah, what, stage. Uh, yeah, she's what, been in a play called. And uh, let's see, let's let's see how clever this man is, guys. I'll, I'll, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The play is called, and see if you can get the provenance of this title, "The Curious Incident." Incident of, of a dog in the nighttime. In nighttime. Yeah. Now, could you possibly guess where that might have got its uh, taken from? Think about sheep's having their uh, their knit their legs nicked <laughs> and a certain nicked, race yes. and a racehorse. He's being right, found you know. lame on the moors. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the play is an exploration of book of that name, and the book references the Sherlock Holmes story Silver Blaze. Um, but yeah, and um, the book was of great interest to me because it's about uh, people on the uh, autism spectrum, uh, a subject close to my heart. So uh, uh, yeah, so she's been in Dog in the Nighttime. Mm. How interesting. So I'm sure that somebody from the BBC uh, saw the play. This often happens. And they said, you know what? We need to get her in and do a video test. And see uh, not like only that, yeah. Peter Capaldi went to see her at the theatre. Uh. And there's a picture of him being posing with the cast before it was announced that she was had got the part. Interesting. So, so he went had to really... pretend that he didn't know her, correct? Uh, well, uh, yeah. I think the connection that, I mean, she may have known, but it was certainly not known when he went to see her. Um, that um, I'm not saying he was vetting her, but it, it, it appears to be that he had some, some um, what's the word, influence, I think maybe mm -hmm. the best word, over a final ad uh, adoption of uh, a new actor. And even if even if he already knew that she had been cast, it would be as an actor it would be really wise for him to go, you know, watch her work. That would be, you know, that's a, a invaluable information for him. So fantastic. And apparently, also as well, I think uh, I was reading somewhere that uh, she has other skills. Um, not sure whether she's um, a singer now. Uh, lots mm. been made, especially with the very end of the, the last series of Doctor Who, with the the even more importance of the Doctor playing the guitar, uh, you know, when he, he when he's playing in the um, the coffee bar and uh, uh, Clara, uh, th this very unusual conversation where you don't know who knows who. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, that was uh, good. You don't know, know who knows who. Who's yeah. who? Yeah. Um, uh, and it, it took on a new importance, this um, guitar riff on Clara. Um, you know, they could turn out to be a song and dance act, you know. Well, not a song and dance act, guitar act. Um, <laughs> but she, she um, I was trying to read, I can't find the exact thing now, but she does have other talents. Yeah, Dan, British actress, dancer, and singer. Yeah, that's what Wikipedia so, calls her. So don't put your companion on the stage, Mr. Doctor. <laughs> well, it sort of reminds me of um, Bonnie Langford. He, she was a, a, a singer, oh, a dancer. You, you that's killed true. The move. You killed the move. <laughs> 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 Be careful yeah, what you ask for. Her. Uh, there's a famous story about her on the stage, which we really can't tell on a on a family oriented show. But it's a it's a great one, though. Anyway, but yeah, so Bonnie Langford was kind of famously on the stage, and she is she is still working too. I, um, I'm impressed. Um, Good for I, her. I, yeah, I think she was um, like uh, the most recent iteration of uh, Spam a lot in the UK. She's still uh, the Lady in the Lake, which is not an easy role to sing. Mm. Um, oh I yeah, think I think I'm right yeah. about that. 
She, and I think she was in the um, the latest uh, Children in Need. Uh, she did one of the little sketches of the Children in Need. And I'm sure she did the splits in that. <laughs> yeah, she and, was... she, and she must be mid-60s. Uh, at, at least, yeah. 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 Well, carrot juice, apparently. Carrot so, juice, ah! that's right. <laughs> All right. It's not worth it. But yeah, I, I think I, I was very, I was quite charmed by what we've seen of Bill. Uh, I, I, it's fun to have a, a companion actually ask all those questions that we would really expect somebody dropped into a Dalek encounter to ask if they'd never seen one before. You know, so I, I think that's a lot of fun. You know, he's got a sucker, yeah, and a gun. That <laughs> doesn't explain the sucker. Do you think this this feature is like a one off, or is this going to be actually going to be part of the upcoming episode? That we, no, I uh, assume this. Was, I think it's a one off. Really, I assume yeah, this yeah. was a clip from an episode. So, well, I don't uh, think they don't, started shooting so. yet. That I mean, mm. to my knowledge, or, the, or maybe they're just about. Maybe not. Yeah, it was just to get the phrase in Back to the Future. I think. Mm, uh, true. True. I hope yeah. people think. Uh, by the way, Bonnie Langford. Uh, my apologies. She's only fifty one. Which well, seems amazing. She must have been only about eighteen when she yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, because she was uh, she was introduced to the companion about thirty years ago. Yeah, that's right. I know. Well, oh, which yeah. which I always thought from watching that she was in her and 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 this is no disrespect to her, but I always <laughs> oh. assumed she was in her thirties or forties based on how the character was presented. So wow, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was always my feeling too. Well, hmm. wow. Okay. <laughs> Good Lord, she's I'm older than she is. <laughs> okay, smoke. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, let's well we can move on to other news then. Well, speaking of not knowing where time goes, we just had an anniversary, which which was um, just I think within the last couple of days, as we record, we're recording this on the seventeenth of May, and um, just recently was the twentieth anniversary of the nineteen ninety six TV movie, which is really mind boggling because we 20. on Doctor Who Pachak were feels like we were just celebrating the tenth anniversary. We did for the tenth anniversary, we, we reviewed the TV movie and. Um, you know, we, we had a whole episode based on the 1996 movie, uh, TV movie, and it's just hard to believe that, that, you know, the 10th anniversary was 10 years ago, and now it's 20 years since, um, since, um, that return of Doctor Who. We had, um, you know, this was the, at the time, the, 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 the last great hope for Doctor Who returning to television, because it was off, um, television for some years, and, um, it was going to be a, a joint venture going forward with um, between um, the U.S. and, and the U.K., named, uh, namely the BBC and uh, Fox Television here in the U.S. And I think um, um, the Universal had some um, dibs in it as well. So it's um, it was and at the time, Paul McGann was allegedly had signed a five year contract and. So we were expecting, you know, you know, at least five years of the Eighth Doctor, and unfortunately, none of that came to be, other than the the movie itself. It was up against a lot of. I think at the time, it was up against Roseanne in the U.S., which was a very popular series in the U.S., and um, 
it just didn't you know a lot of people blame the, the marketing and some of the changes that were made you know in a sense american-fying it a bit i mean um i mean but it's um it's i mean it plays an important uh part in the history of doctor who it's basically the stepping stone of if you want to say the classic series to the modern series it really bridges that gap And it had our first Doctor Companion kiss, which I guess ties into our theme today. Maybe, sort of. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, it's a good transition. <laughs> no, seriously. Mm-hmm. Because, time later, because of what, time later, what Lewis yeah. was just saying, it was a good transition well, from, yeah, there you go. Yeah. from the you know classic to New Who, as as it's you know referred to. Mm. And of course, famously, this was the one where was it first shown in Canada rather than here in the UK. Um, I'm not sure. If I it think was fr- I'm, I'm, um, it might have. I don't know. I yeah. read something like that. Like it's the the first Doctor Who to premiere somewhere besides in the UK. So yeah, uh, in 1996, uh, premiered the 12th of May in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Ooh, on CITV Canada. Uh, 15 days before its first showing in the United Kingdom on BBC One, and two days before being broadcast in the United States on Fox. And uh, I've just noticed yeah, that May, May, 12th, that May 12th, Canada, yeah, and then 14th the US, and then May 27th in the UK. Yeah, it's right. very bizarre that 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 it was such a it was like a two week gap between the US and the UK. And just surprising how. It was about Bonnie Langford's age. Uh, Bonnie Langford is two years younger than Daphne Ashbrook is, um, even though there you go. she debuted so much later. Both ladies looking extremely well for their age, by the, oh, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, we we had uh, Sylvester McCoy as the seventh doctor, bridging the gap um, between, you know, um, the... the the, the classic series, if you will, I hate I hate that term classic series. To me, it's just Doctor Who. So, <laughs> but uh, in, into this new um, age of Doctor Who that was going to be at that time, yeah. And uh, it was a pity, really, because some say, and this is I don't think they meant. Well, some people mean it flippantly, but some people say it was his greatest performance. Um, he certainly looked better, I thought. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. at that mature age. Yeah, you know, and he wasn't hindered with, um, you know, the, I mean, part of the problem, I mean, and I don't blame Sylvester McCoy for any of this, but I mean, part of the thing that that might have hindered his time as the doctor was that they were um, the BBC and the BBC controller. There was a lot of emphasis um, or pressure put on Doctor Who to play up the the humor and the slapstick and play down the, because it was, it was at that time, it was being accused as being too violent for for younger viewers and um you know they 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 felt that um that that Colin Baker's uh, doctor was too was too violent and you know in the stories in, in his era you know that's they they had they took a decisive role to you know um lighten things up a bit and you could see that in McCoy's uh, first you know series as the doctor and um, you know, then it started getting a little bit more serious towards later in his tenure. But um, I think here it was, um, you know, the, all that was gone. That that was that that 
you know, having to be, you know, he wasn't really playing the spoons here, you know, but then again, he didn't have a, you know, it was, um, it, it was a short part that he had in it. I mean, this is an amazing thing that happens over the time, isn't it? I mean, um, uh, I had a, a discussion slightly off spot two for a moment, if I may, but um, about the, the recent film Batman v Superman. And uh, some person was saying they didn't like it because they betrayed, although Ben Affleck had played a very good uh, Batman and they liked his portrayal of it, playing the older Batman. Um, again, I hope this is not too much spoiler, but... Um, Batman in this film, you know, is is aggressive and violent and and may and may cause death. And they said, well, Batman isn't about that. Uh, but others said, of course, in the comics, uh, that wasn't unusual for Batman. You know, a bit of collateral damage wasn't out of the unusual for Batman. And sensibilities do change. I mean, uh, going back to the eighties when the A Team was on. They couldn't kill anybody. Every bullet missed every. Per you could have you could have 400 people firing Tommy guns and not one person to get more than a scratch, but they'd kill about 20 cars because it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. Um, yeah. So I mean, sensibilities do change, and I think unfortunately, poor Colin, as you say, got the blame. That you know, he never he never knocked he never pushed anybody into acid baths. Uh, they, he turned around and they overbalanced and fell back in or hmm. lost their grip or whatever. But you're right. Um, we are, I mean, it always upsets me because I like to think of science fiction telling me about the future. But mostly science fiction tells you about the day it was made. Uh, you know, it's like cowboys, you know, 70s cowboys don't look anything like 90s cowboys or hmm. whatever. And I don't think we want to get Lee and I started on oh. Batman. Don't Do you, get Lee? us started. Oh. Don't. Don't get us started, no. Martha. Perhaps we can hear you talk about Martha. it. El Perhaps we can hear about you talk elsewhere. elsewhere. Yeah. Um, did you have an episode um, around the movie? <laughs> or yeah, we actually did, Lee. You want to take that one? Was that... Um... Discussing who episode five was that five? Oh, I believe yeah. it was. Yes, yeah. which started. Hey, look, we started you, with saying, I flip and hate this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got no chance, guys. If you're losing where you're up to with only five episodes, how do you think Lewis goes on with 336? <laughs> yes, now which episode was it, Lewis, that we talked about Unicorn and the Wasp? Come on, which one was it? It was the one that it was the one almost eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was that one. <laughs> Episode 134. I have no idea. I'm just guessing. I'm just. Can you imagine if that was really it? Could have, could have anyway, it's just as well that uh, discussing who is available on iTunes, and they only have six to download. So there'll be exactly. seven now. Seven. 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 Oh, yeah. lucky seven. Well done. Cool. Yes. Oh, yeah. All in, all in one you're, day. You're up to the Sylvester McCoy era of your That's podcast. Right. Mm. All right. <laughs> All right, well... Meanwhile... <laughs> well, as you probably may have been guessing, the theme for this show has been uh, companions. And one of the Doctor's constant companion, if you will, or um, one of the... If you, if you want to count it as a companion, is um, his sonic screwdriver. And now there's... Um, there's a new, a newest, newest companion to the doctors. Um, is a, the latest um, sonic screwdriver, 
which um, has gotten a new wallpaper, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> very, very blue. That's right, yeah. New desktop theme. Mm. Don't yeah. like it. Well, I, I, <laughs> but... I was eagerly awaiting for the... I was looking forward to uh, the inevitable toy version of this, and uh, so the BBC uh, has just launched that. And, yes, uh, well... Uh, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. I... Um, it's and, shiny. I like it. It's shiny, all right. It's yeah. shiny. It's shiny, shiny. I'm distracted. I like and it's twenty nine ninety eight US dollars in the in the Doctor Who um, official shop. That's yep. And and the, and that page um, that uh, I I guess we'll offer a link to there has a lovely little interview with uh, Peter Capaldi talking about uh, his getting to put input into it and. Uh, and um, his pointing out something that I hadn't noticed yet was that it actually is made to look like the TARDIS. Ah, yeah, well, there is yeah. distinct, distinctive blue in it, you know, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, that, that and it, it does have a little, um, you know, like a piece. Well, and then again, his, the last song, his, it has that, um, you know, piece together feel to it, sort of like the, mm-hmm. the TARDIS there. I'll tell you what, you know, I, I'm going to establish my copyright here. The first dentist who can design his drill to look like a, a solid screwdriver, oh, he's yes. going to make a fortune. Come Thank on, you. kids. Right. Come and have a close look at this uh, solid screwdriver of mine. Makes a lovely buzzing noise when I stick it in your mouth. I, don't, the only, I mean, my only criticism, yeah. negative criticism would be is that it just seems very big and bulky, you know, compared to like when you think of, you know, um, the second and third doctors and fourth doctors, sonic screwdriver, you know, it's it's they, they were a bit more slimmer and sleeker and mm. more pen like than um, the, the, the later, you know, even going back, even going to the ninth doctors on a screwdriver, it, didn't, it wasn't that bulky, but it seems like the. More recent Sonic incarnations of the Sonic Screwdriver, they seem to be um, a bit more to them. Well, it hasn't got, at least it hasn't got that sweet grabber or whatever you call it on the end of it. Oh, yeah. True. Fortunately, his pockets are bigger on the inside, too. Yeah, there you go. That (laughs) solves that problem. Can I say one last thing, by the way? Uh, I I thought, I don't know about you guys, I thought uh, it this was going to be a replacement for the sonic glasses but if i remember correctly at the end of the story he still had his glasses because obviously he played the theme he used it to connect his out his his guitar to the little radio on the on the um cafeteria didn't he so so one of the things that i went back to a few times was you know i helped somebody break in fact there's one episode, wasn't there, where uh, the Vikings, they took uh, his sonic glasses off his face and, and broke them. And I, I cheered at that point. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> I like uh, that moment yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it seems as though he's got both now. Yeah, I think the shades will be, you know, they'll kind of fade away, he, hopefully. He's out, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the news, unless anyone else has any other news items um, that we failed to mention. And if our listeners have any news that we failed to mention that that you want to talk about, um, we always welcome your feedback. And as always, you could send your feedback to um, feedback at podshock.net. And uh, that would probably be the best way to do it right now. 
Uh, we're still waiting to um, get our Doctor Who public Doctor Who Pachak public call box back up and going. Um, we did get a um, an email uh, concerning that from someone that I'm going to get back to. I because um, I, I hadn't had a chance to reply to yet, but we're going to see what we can do as far as um, getting that going. But don't you know? We still want to hear from you as well, so um, don't let that stop you. Can always um, record something on your um, smart phone, if you will. I'm sure you probably have one, a, a voice memo feature, and just email it to feedback at podshock.net, or you can send a traditional email to that as well, or record it any way you like. But we're going to be right back, and we'll be back with our feature segment about companions. You're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. This Hi, this is Lee Shackelford reminding you that Doctor Who Podshock is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible. Just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles. Let me say that again. 150,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook in it. And these files play on iPhones, Kindles, iPads, any smartphone. In fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Dr. Who Ponchak, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. You can choose anything at all from that vast library, but we know you'll want to get one of their delicious Doctor Who titles. They're performed for you by actors you know and love, wonderful voices, uh, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, David Tennant, on and on it goes. Try it out for 30 days, and if at the end of that month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So... Let me put it this way, free Doctor Who book, right? So here's how to get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash podjock. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com slash podjock. Pick your free book. You're going to love it. Welcome back to Doctor Who Podjock. And, uh... Once again, joining me, this is Louis Trapani. Joining me is, uh, again, Dave Cooper, Kyle Jones, and Lee Shackelford all together. And Ian is um, not with us right now because he's off busy doing lesbian things. We're here, and you're, we're your constant companions when it comes to Doctor Who, and that's what we're talking about. Is um, oh, Since we are we have the news to announce, uh, which we did in the news segment about the new companion, we thought it would be appropriate to talk about companions and how the um, how changing companions change the show itself. And, um, you know, and for the good or, the, or for the better or for the worse or uh, um, just different directions, perhaps. Uh, different chemistries that are introduced with the companion and how sometimes um, it's reflected on the doctor itself and um, you know whether it's um, a single companion or multiple companions human companions non-human companions though of lately there doesn't seem to be too many non-human companions um, you know, um, maybe that's. I mean, maybe, well, as far as we know, we know Bill seems to be a, a human. So um, we don't know, but yeah. we know we don't know. We just don't know yet. You know, if hey, go ahead. I was 
I would say it's also been an era of single companions in in many ways. I, I mean, obviously we had Amy and Rory, but yeah. uh, we've had sequential single ones. We've no, we've not had a crowded TARDIS other than um, as Journey's End when the uh, we have a a full six sided console. Uh, no, not uh, not. Uh, not not you, not Billy's mom, but everybody right. else. Exactly. Well, you know, uh, it's that was an extremely crowded tortoise. I mean, it's it's kind of ironic that you know you know we, we we're calling it crowded uh, TARDIS, but that was actually the original idea and the original concept of Doctor Who was to have multiple companions. I mean, the first set of companions, it wasn't just it wasn't just uh, Susan Foreman. I mean, that's how it was sort of introduced. But in that first episode, uh, he gained the companions of Barbara and Ian along with Susan, and so it was three companions and one Doctor. Right. And, and you pretty much I, kept that for the first, uh, you know, all for all the 60s, didn't you? Yeah, well, you had... Um, Some variation of it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, yeah, not, not that particular one, excuse me, oh, Dave, yeah. but not that... But but yeah. But you had Vicky join. I mean, um, Susan left. Vicky um, came on. But while but while Vicky was there, we still had Barbara and um, Ian as companions. So we still had the the threesome, and then Stephen Tyler, and um, you know, unfortunately, then we had some missing episodes where we had you know, um, you know, companions, and well, then we had Dodo, which unceremoniously unceremoniously kind of just vanished. Without anyone noticing. Yeah, I was going to say, not only was it multiple, but we had dissension in the TARDIS, which um, never came back again until, was it Turlow and maybe Tegan, you could argue? Certainly um, Tegan, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, uh, I'm thinking Turlow, of course, with the, where he was under the spell of, uh, well, now, was it the White the black, Guardian or the was black it the Guardian. Black Guardian? Black yeah, Guardian. But which one was what? They changed their colours, I think, somewhat. Yeah, maybe it was the Grey Guardian. Yeah, the... <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sorry. yes. Well, we had, I, I guess you could classify companions as either multi companions, you know, either being um, um, three or more, or at least three. I guess would be you know um, if you have a TARDIS crew or not. And then you had your dual companions, which I think worked well too. You, most famously, I guess with. Um, uh, Fraser Hines playing Jimmy, uh, Jamie uh, McCrimmon, and um, you know where he was playing off of either Victoria or Zoe, um, and then you had um, you could probably include Unit as multi companions, um, you know, because even though Joe Grant and Liz Shore were single companions, the, most of their stories involved Unit, which you know you had the Brigadier, and then you had um, you know um, along with the Brigadier you had Benton and. Um, Captain Yates. Gates sometimes. Mm. We have the Ben and Polly uh, double one as well. Uh, that that, mm -hmm. that worked very well mm -hmm. um, in the early days. And, well, uh, personally, I, 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 I tend to like the multiple companions because then they could play off of each other as well as the Doctor because otherwise if it's just a single good Doctor, I mean a single a companion, then sometimes they get locked into, you know, being the only one, you know, they they have to like bounce off questions to the doctor and so the doctor can explain things and they get locked into a sort of a typecast role of what a companion the role of the companion is 
where when it's multiple companions, they could interact and have relationships not only with the doctor, but with other companions, and they could play with other companions and either work with them or work against them or you know it's more it's it's more complex and more dynamic than just a one-to-one thing though they, i think there were some single companions that was were very successful i don't think we can cover all the companions i think what what because of this new announcement we're we're talking about i hope or i think we're talking about more as well uh, how the actual transitional phase has been handled um uh, we've got some very uh, notable farewells and uh, so on um you know where, where for instance uh, i think one of the harshest ones was and uh, this was the patriarchal idea of uh, the doctor of course, it was slightly easier to do so when he was a, a family member where it was his granddaughter. And uh, basically, uh, in the one story, he um, he makes the decision that Susan should stay and and he basically locks her out of the TARDIS. I mean, um, uh, I don't know whether you can play a clip of that, but we can... Listen, Susan, please. I've double-locked the doors. You can't get in. Now move back, child, where I can see you. During all the years, I've been taking care of you. You and Etern have been taking care of me. You can't bother any longer with you. Not any longer, Susan. You're still my grandchild, and always will be. But now, you're a woman, too. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots and live normally like any woman should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David and not with a silly old buffer like me. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. Wow, that still has... That still has dramatic. Uh, oh, it does, and that is oh one of my all-time, one hundred percent all-time favorite speeches. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's a gorgeous piece of writing and acting. Um, but you're right. It is. It is a patriarchal moment, isn't it? <laughs> I've decided what's best for you, and you're and you're stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, um, and by the way, I, I hope they people didn't try and adjust their television sets during that. The TARDIS did used to be that loud on certain occasions. The the humming of it. it oh, it's yes. now, now more of a gentle hum in the womb, as it were. Now, but then it right. it could get quite loud. Do you know? I, I think that begs the question: or are the contemplation? Was it that loud for dramatic effect of, we're leaving you, whether you like it or not, bye. Ominous, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does play that way. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think, um, you know, Carol Ann Ford had expressed her desire to sort of move on because she had really had hoped the role would be a little bit more than what it turned out to be. And, um, but I, I'm, I mean, 
I'm still hoping that we see her, Carol Ann Ford, perhaps um, once again. I mean, I think the last time we've seen her were in the Five Doctors in the 20th anniversary special. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because the Doctor did promise he would one day return, and we're still waiting. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, they well, can finally ha- address the question of even if it makes sense for her for him to leave her with David, why did he have to leave her in the world devastated by Daleks? You know, surely there are other pl- times and places he could have left her. Mm. <laughs> but well, a bit of an update to that story. David has now turned into an old buffer himself. But there you go. Um, uh, the, the 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 other thing is that uh, the templates, of course. I mean, if the people directing Doctor Who lose the way now, uh, and some people like Mike Randall Thor have said that they have done that, and he's not alone. Um, they can't. They can't say that the template isn't there. You can go away from the template and come back to it. But I mean, uh, for instance, the the other original companions, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, with Ian and Barbara, uh, they they are the other end of the spectrum as well. In as much as uh, they're not forced to leave, but um, they suddenly start to yearn to be back in their own time. Um, whether. You know, you read between the lines, and they're going to become a partnership and a a, a couple and a whatever. We don't know, but um, they their their storyline comes to a natural end where, you know, they feel as though they've they've, they've travelled, they've seen the Aztecs, they've seen the Romans, mm-hmm. you know, they've been Marco Polo, they've done all this sort of thing, and and they just now want to return home. So. Uh, there are lots of different uh, things. We've even had people go off into e-space, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and we've also had uh, was th- with, I think it was Tegan, who uh, basically said, you know, I, I can't take this anymore. Not that I want to go back to my own time in a sense of I just want to get back to my life, is I don't want to do this anymore. I can't take this. It's not fun anymore, wasn't it? Something right. like that. Exactly. I always thought that's an especially heartbreaking one, too, because the instant the TARDIS dematerializes, she regrets it. Mm. And, you know, something, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we never see, or do we, or do we, is it ever referred to, or do we ever see how Ace leaves? No. I know we don't we, see it, no, but yeah, we, do we they don't ever know, refer no. to it? No, because that's another of my favorite quotable quotes from the whole series, is the, the, the sort of their exit line, but it, uh, but it deliberately line, takes them into a... <laughs> Thank you. Where have they gone? They've been taken back to the wilderness. The place is different, but the hunt goes on. You know all about the hunt, don't you, Ace? I felt like I could run forever. Like I could smell the wind and feel the grass under my feet and just run forever. The planet's gone, but lives on inside you. It always will. Good. And the master? Who knows? Where to now, Ace? Home. Home? The TARDIS. Yes, the TARDIS. There are worlds out there where the sky is burning, where the seas sleep and the rivers dream. People made of smoke and cities made of song. Some of there's danger. 
Some of this injustice. Somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely a lovely moment. That and I think I, I, I've got to mention Ian loves that uh, that uh, statement. But I would I would pick out with with Ace. Her introduction is one of the most unusual. I mean, it, it's used again a few times with uh, Adric, I suppose, and uh, well, Adric's earlier, isn't he? But uh, um, the 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 idea that she's a human, but she's off planet. Um, when uh, the Seventh Doctor comes upon her. Uh, we also have a couple of storylines that are repeated where uh, way early with the um, the Doctor, we have uh, Stephen who, who sneaks into the TARDIS. We mm. have Adric that sneaks into the TARDIS. Um, I think Tegan actually uh, comes into the TARDIS uh, because a, a car has broken down yeah. on the way to the airport and, and, and she thinks it's um, a thing and she gets lost in it. So... Um, yeah, yeah. If these these are good accidental companions in a yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, Lee will probably be able to. You know, there are only seven stories you can ever tell, and you. Well, even, just we can even go back to Barbara and Ian. They weren't. You know, they didn't really decide to become pan- companions. They were sort of forced into it. You know, they were entrapped. They're yeah. in prison. Yeah, it's and then we have, uh, and then of course we we've already mentioned. Um, uh, Bonnie Langford, uh, her character um, is just with the Doctor, and she? She's not introduced as joining the Doctor. Yeah, this she's just there. Yeah, yeah. So there, there have been some, you know, where we don't see their exit, and there's some companions that we never see their entrance. Right, but having said that, this is where the companion is so. Uh, uh, a marvellous convenience and a writer's tool, no doubt. Um, where, can anybody remember a specific or a good illustration of where, you know, the companion has actually been the one that's helped the new, I mean, obviously, famously, the fourth Doctor, the fifth Doctor, you know, the moment has been prepared for, uh, and he has to go into the zero room, and for once the uh, the companions are left to fend for themselves are... Um, it, well, actually, when I think about it, we can go further back than that. Um, uh, Polly and Ben, um, they, they're the ones that have to make, they have to realise that Patrick Troughton is the Doctor, don't they? Uh, right. If I remember rightly. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, an important part because that was the first time that we've seen the Doctor regenerate and it was up, you know, they, they had a heavy um, role to fill as far as, um, you know, making that bridge, that gap, that transition from um, Boom Hartnell to uh, Patrick Troughton. And, you know, they were, you know, they, they, they were in the sense were playing the audience, you know, what they were asking the questions that the audience would be asking. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't it, or didn't in that first episode, at, right after the, um, you know the regeneration, did he not refer to himself in the third person as if the other doctor Hartnell's doctor was a different person? He might have, yeah. In, in some of the in some of the dialogue, I think I read that that unfortunately, you know, that's one of the ones that's lost. Right. Right, but but I have listened to it. Yeah, uh, we we have the audio. Um, yeah, but I can't remember. But but I think you're right, and, it, yeah, and I think it, we so. did it. It did allow us to establish the um, 
that the doctor is not um, that he's not in his right mind immediately right. post generation. So um, anything is possible there. They they had plenty of reasons to think this is not this is not the man we knew. He doesn't look like him. He doesn't talk like him. And I don't trust him. Yeah, because I mean, it's so, it's the same person, but yet there are different. You know, they're, they're different personifications of that same person. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I and I, you know and and that and the companions realize that, and it's really the companions' job to convey that to the audience that it's. And I think the most recent one um, when we went from you know the. The 11th to the 12th Doctor, you know, that's what Clara was was doing was, um, you know, they were using her as the as the audience there. And, you know, where she was having trouble accepting him, which is kind of ironic because she of all people, she would be the one to realize the doctor is constantly changing. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that, but that, they utilize that, that companion yeah. role for that as a tool. Yeah. Right. But I mean, uh, the probably the most onerous task was um, Sarah Jane Smith, wasn't it, with the the third and fourth Doctor, because um, she's the one at Planet of the Spiders, where um, you know she's explaining that he's Campo Poche, you know, he isn't his. Uh, what's it? Uh, and then we have um, you know this idea that we have to nudge, because uh, of course most most newer watchers of Doctor Who. Will assume that all transitions of the Doctor, you know, you you stand bestride the world with your legs apart, and your arms open, uh, you know, spewing fireworks out, and um, that's ha- that's the only way you can change from one Doctor to another. But um, you know, there's been a couple of ones where it's been touch and go, where it's been poisoning uh, uh, the metabolis thing with uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the third to fourth Doctor, where it's been the tenth, the eleventh Doctor. Um, I mean, let's face it, this is a, a, um, a TV series with a very long uh, backstory and history, and uh, whether you, there, there must be some anomalies along the way, but in many ways that that has allowed different explorations and um, jumping slightly if I may rather than finishing that thought I mean one of the other things is um, who do you think has been the best introduction of a of a new companion one of the things that some people have said is that um, when the ninth Doctor came out when the new series of Doctor Who started in 2005 you know it was Rose's adventures with the Doctor but in actual fact, um, you know, although it was very Rose-centric, um, it was a very good introduction. Uh, and I know other people believe that um, actually Martha's introduction in Smith & Jones was probably a better introduction. That was the um, the iconic way to introduce a new uh, companion uh, to the room, especially where, you know, she's walking down the street and David Tennant shows her a red tie and say, there. What? Like this? What? Yeah. That's what? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, uh, I don't know whether do you, do it. Do the you other guys want to pick your favourite introduction of a companion? Or hmm. have to think I, about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if you count all of Face of Evil as being introducing Leela, um, because um, right. I, I just I, I I remember seeing that for the first time and just taking an immediate liking to her, mm. and uh, knowing that the doctor is traveling by himself there, I thought, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 
I will answer that, but let me change the wording a little bit. Instead of saying favorite introduction, what about favorite reintroduction? And with that, I will say 2006. School reunion. School reunion. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, yes, I still get chilled with that one. Oh, yeah. 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 Is it you? Yeah, I mean, the the two actors, I mean, uh, David Tennant being a fanboy as well helped there. I mean, uh, and apparently, wasn't that the first day of filming almost that they did that scene? Maybe so. Very dear. It's always interesting... When you see a doc, when you see a companion return to and 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 is is introduced to the doctor in a different form, you know, after some time, you know, it's always interesting to see their their take on it, on both their takes on it. Yeah, it can get overdone though when Rose keeps coming back and keeps coming back. I mean, True. <laughs> yeah, and I know I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. I think that this was the moment where a lot of people said, even though, yes, this is not a reboot, and yes, this is a continuation, where people said, ah, that's not new actors playing Sarah Jane Smith. That is Sarah Jane Smith. Right. Yeah. You know, that's that was, I think, a connector for so many people tying the two together. Oh, yeah. And it served as the launch of the, the, Sarah, Jane Smith, the Sarah Jane Smith adventures. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. In which um, Joe Grant uh, ultimately appeared as well, and uh, mm. so we get got to see her come back too. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and have the eleventh Doctor say, "You look like somebody baked you." <laughs> <laughs> strange line that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> uh, we did the poll recently, and uh, uh, just the top five because I can't go through the whole list, but. Um, um, this was asking our little group in the collective, and uh, uh, number one companion came out as being Donna Noble, with Sarah Jamie number two, Jamie being number three, Clara number four, and Ace number five. That was our ranking, um, taking, uh, and, and everybody was allowed to choose one classic Who companion and one new companion. I'm glad to see uh, Jamie ranked so high in there. That's that's lovely. Yeah, I th- it would be nice to see another male companion that's sort of you know in in the in the sense that, that Jamie was, where it's because we've had other male recently. We had other male companions, but they always seem to be attached to another companion as as mm-hmm. a lead in. You know where they were sort of you know you had um, Rory who was obviously a- attached to Amy and uh, um, you know. Um, Mickey, Mickey, of course, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want uh, Captain Jack was <laughs> attached to everyone else. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> but uh, mm. if, you know, to have someone just uh, as a uh, standalone companion, um, where I'm actually saying, um, I mean, where you can have a, a male and a female companion. I mean, I'm I'm all for having multiple companions again. So, um, but it would be nice to have a male companion that's a uh, a character on its own, you know, where sort of uh, where we had in the past, where they, uh, the the times that we did have male companions, they were um, standalone companions. Though I guess maybe, well, Harry Sullivan was part of Unit, but he was, I mean, wasn't attached to to Sarah Jane. He was stand, he was his own person. Mm. I mean, it'd be lovely to have 
Jamie and you, Doctor Who, but they shot themselves slightly in the foot then because um, with the original series that um, when when he he went back to his own time, he, he, he was only allowed, is it the memories of his first adventure? Oh, you know, I wasn't suggesting that Jamie, him, you know, that character, I'm just saying a character like ah, Jamie where right. it's uh, just a standalone right. character that's not a, a male companion that's you know isn't there as you know oh i'm here with her you know is where someone that's just a you know an ongoing companion that's that's has his own story you know i want to um go back real quick uh we had spoken about ace earlier and i just read on wikipedia something that i did not know which was that she, uh, the actress Sophie Allred had been contracted by Russell T. Davis to return to the role in the second half of the Sarah Jane Adventures Series 5. And of course, that was before Elizabeth Sladen's untimely death. So we almost saw uh, her return, mm. which may have answered that question we asked earlier, or I asked earlier. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> So uh, again, uh, we we know we've got this new companion. We've got the uh, we know the name. We don't know, as as people have said, we don't know whether the way she's dressed is the way she was dressed when the doctor met her. For all we know, uh, as you said, she she those may be uh, you know adopted clothes. Yeah, could, they clothes could have had an adventure before the Daleks, where she you know maybe they went back to the eighties and she was in in guys you know for that time period. Yeah, but I, I I do think one of the other things that we could glean from that thing was um, when he when he uses that line back to the future, uh, he says back to something like 2017. Mm -hmm. So do do we now think this new companion won't be introduced in the upcoming Christmas special? <laughs> oh, sorry, I mentioned the word Christmas, and we're only in May. Apologies. Apologies to all listeners. I know you're looking forward to your summer, and some idiot mentioned Christmas. But um, do we? Assume no, I, I'm, that, uh, I'm guessing she's not. I think they're probably going to have yeah. maybe a special one-off companion, as they often do on the Christmas specials. Have a one-off companion, you know, sort of like you know they had um, in many other Christmas specials. You know, Kyle, Kyle Manoni or what's that? What, <laughs> Kylie Manoni. Timestamp. Time <laughs> David Morrissey. Oh, that was a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, has Penn. anyone read? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say Astrid Peth from the um, mm -hmm. the uh, spaceship Titanic. That was uh, yeah. Voyage uh, of the Damned. Voyage of the Damned. Yeah. Now I was reading somewhere the other day that a former companion uh, and star of a spinoff series to Doctor Who had perhaps hinted that this person might be in the Christmas episode. So, you know, there's a spoiler alert. There's hints or speculation that we might see Captain Jack for Christmas. That would be interesting. For everyone who's wanted Captain Jack for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that actually might, might work rather well because it sort of fills the slot of having somebody you know that people would look forward to having in it without without sort of 
querying the pitch. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that either. Uh, <laughs> but they're querying the pitch for, you know, what's going to come later. Uh, the other speculation I had is, obviously, as we know, uh, and we shouldn't preempt it, I mean, because we've got uh, Stephen Moffat still in charge for a whole Series 10. But with Chris Chibnall in the background, uh, do we assume he's had a hand in the choice of this companion, or is this a companion that's going to run for series? And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that this uh, actress, you know, is is only good for one series. Uh, and obviously, it must be there must be some flexibility built in there. But do we feel as though this is a a companion that may run the whole course prior to Chibnall taking over? I believe she I, I mean, I I'm guessing that that Chibnall didn't have a hand in it. I think it's, um, you know, I, I think that would probably be, you know, stepping too much on Stephen Moffat's toes if he was to, you know, ask for this, you know, to make any decisions right now concerning that. Right. So I, I think um, but I, I would imagine that she would be the companion leading into his tenure as the showrunner, whether or not. Uh, Peter Capaldi will continue or not, you know, is still a question mark because uh, there's been, you know, s- there's been talk about him stepping down and, and giving free reign to Chibnall to cast whoever he wants as the doctor. And uh, um, so if he she may play the, you know, th- that role again of, of um, you know, being the constant companion as the doctor changes and then she may leave probably, you know, possibly sometime after that. Right. I mentioned it in a way because some people may have thought that, like, um, uh, Martha was almost like, a, what do they call it in in uh, dating terms? You know, the uh, uh, when, when you've, you've been jilted and you go out with somebody who's the, uh, the next girl oh. after the jilt. It's what, still the, the rebound. The rebound. Rebound, yeah. reba- yeah. rebound companion, you know, yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard Martha called that uh, and several others, I guess. Uh, the... And again, they the, the, may only be playing part of the hand. I mean, not only like Kyle said, you know, you know, we're jumping to conclusions. Well, I was anyway, jumping to conclusions. Uh, who's to know that that's the only companion? They may have, they may have left the other companion watching the dog, you know, uh, looking after... That's you know, right. Back home, yeah. Yeah, the, the the two guys who are also going to be part of the crowded TARDIS this time. Yeah. Watching the dog, canine? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Or, or, or maybe, maybe we're going to finally get that uh, talking cabbage that uh, Tom Baker spoke of. So. <laughs> Our cactus would be much better. Yeah. You know? He looks a lot better like that. <laughs> or, or a penguin for, uh, for oh, our... Oh, uh, the penguin. Warbisher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. As that becomes more and more possible, something you could actually do on screen and mm. and not just in audiobooks. But yeah. Well, I have high hopes for Bill. I'm I'm trying. I'm keeping an not just an open mind, but an open heart. And I sure. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Think uh, think it's going to be. Um, I I am uh, I love 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 Jenna Coleman. Uh, my wife oh. and I just watched um, a, a made for TV movie that she was in, and she was of course spectacular in that as always. But I just I had gotten tired of Clara. <gasps> and um, yeah, sorry. 
Oh, as an actress, she's fabulous. Have you seen yeah. her in dan- Have you seen her in Dancing on the Edge? No, no. Oh, she's not yeah. got a main part in that, but it's uh, an L. Uh, uh, drum roll, drum roll. Chiwetel Jafour is the main actor in that, um, who plays this. Um, uh, I, I think they call him a colour. I don't know whether the correct word is now, but I think they call him coloured in the, the series. Uh, a black uh, American jazz singer who's Ooh. adopted into British society in the twenties. If you can find Dancing on the Edge, it is absolutely. Fascinating, and it also has um, another couple of Doctor Who alumni who, as someone else talks, I will be looking up. But you... on the edge, yeah, I would like to see that. Yeah, what what we were watching was uh, Death Comes to Pemberley. Um, oh yeah, 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 which is uh, sort of um, P.D. James' uh, ingenious sequel, if you will, to Pride and Prejudice, and she plays the hilariously spoiled uh, Lydia and uh, right. a very un-Clara-like character and she's and she's just fantastic. So. Yeah, the, the other actress wasn't in Doctor Who that I was thinking, it's Angel Colby who uh, played uh, Guinevere in uh, Arthur, sorry, Merl, in the Merlin TV series if you watched it, but the, this uh, Chutel for Matthew Good, who's currently on a wine programme here in the UK, so uh, I'm loving him. Anthony Head is um, in go. Dancing on the Hedge. Hedge. School reunion again. Uh, Miles Richardson, Mel Smith, who's been in Doctor, I think, and uh, brilliant. It's um, it, it's a brilliant. Uh, I'm trying to remember how many parts are in it. British television drama directed by Stephen Polyakov, produced by the BBC about the Black jazz band in London in the early, oh, the early 1930s. Uh, it was on it was in five 2005. Yeah. yeah. Really, really excellent. Right. And to uh, Lee's point, as far as Clara goes, she holds the record as the most appearances um, on Doctor Who um, as a companion. The most, I should say, the most um, stories. The most uh, She's appeared as the companion in the most most times and most stories in Doctor Who than any other. She holds the record for being the most companions as well. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Yeah, interesting. And the but, other one that's met all 13. But that's uh, that's hour-long episodes, not... Yeah, as I'm saying, series. stories, not, so, not, yeah, not individual... Yeah, stories, I'm not saying yeah. individual episodes, I'm saying so, stories. But so I wonder who, which companion has actually been on screen the most... Just sort of hour per mm, hour. Might yeah. might it be Sarah Jane? Or if you take all uh, classic and new, no. Oh, well, no, she only was in the. New. Jamie must be uh, pretty high up in that ranking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a you... Wikipedia page, but it doesn't it doesn't go by uh, screen time. It just goes by episode by story. So that's right. So, um, I mean, what. Jamie's at twenty-one or, or twenty-one stories, twenty as the companion, and um, let's see. Well, you had mentioned um, Sarah Jane Smith is actually only third. No, well, because she well she spans two doctors, so six with um, the third doctor and thirteen with the fourth doctor. Yeah, yeah but so much. 
Yeah, some of Jamie's stories though were, you know, seven episodes, ten episodes, thirteen episodes. They were, really? and and they and they worked something like forty-eight weeks a year in those days. I mean, they really, you know, tore them into the ground. I mean, nowadays wow. I do think they work them hard now, but forty percent of that time is promotion, isn't publicity, it? right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not saying that's any easier, but there you go. Well, it's also good that in this era, uh, the, there's there's time to conceive of these characters as being um, personalities of their own. They're they're not simply sort of a plug and play, um, uh, screaming females, um, despite their reputation from you know from the yeah. shows in the sixties and seventies. But I mean. We were talking about Sarah Jane, and, and I and I was talking about uh, uh, Leela, and uh, you know, we we many of our listeners know that a lot of the scripts for Leela had actually been written mm -hmm. for Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane, uh, yeah. so they yeah. they literally went through the pencil and marked her name out and wrote Leela in over it. That that's not how you write for Leela. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, I've it got... doesn't make any sense. Uh, since uh, both, obviously, Lee and myself are big fans of uh, Jenna Coleman and Clara, could I ask you to sort of play what was her main exit, the Raven clip? Absolutely. Dora. Stare at me. Nah. You stay here. This is as brave as I know how to be. <laughs> I know it's going to hurt you, but please be a little proud of me. <sighs> Goodbye, Doctor. That's when we thought that was her exit. <laughs> no, she, uh, she's had the more. The commitment was she, there. The commitment was there. Whether yeah. it's been rubbished afterwards, the commitment was there. I mean, well, I mean, that's a problem that in more recent years is that we're having with companions is that they have more than one exit, and it just diminishes their, you know, their exit because it's. You know, there's a lot of these false starts. You know, where you think it's a re revolving door. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, and, I agree. And, I, yeah, and with her, she had four exits. True. Yeah, enough's enough, right? <laughs> no, it's the air hostess in her. The exits are there, there, to there, to there, to there. <laughs> behind. In the event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure. <laughs> oh, right. but uh, I mean. Uh, I mean, one of the things that uh, I mean, the only positive about what happened afterwards is I thought, no wonder they left a body just lying in the road in the street. Um, 
you know, sort of, you know, nobody covered her over or moved her off her because she's yet to return to that shell. But um, I, I know some people thought that this character well overstated, but I, I still maintain that Jenna Coleman has been the best actress playing a companion and I'll st- I'll argue that case with anybody, whether whether she's being given the best scripts or or, or whatever. Uh, she's been. I mean, I'm not saying she was the best at the beginning. I saw her in Titanic, and she was good in that, but she was, you know, you know, a bit one-dimensional. Uh, a girl from you know, lower-class London playing that sort of uh, basic thing, but phenomenal. I mean. Go back to the um, the Zygon two-parter. Uh, there's the two-handed one we have in the two episodes. One where uh, we're focusing on the Doctor making his speech about, oh, you know, the boxes, and then the other one where she, in actual fact, is is Bonnie as a Zygon Clara uh, responding. Uh, I have not seen any. Fi- I've not seen any finer acting other than people like David Tennant and Capaldi in Doctor Who. And uh, if anybody else wants to make the case for anybody else, I'm, I'll listen. But I think she's been the best companion actress, bar none. Well, I, I think her abilities are outstanding. Yes, I, um, I mean, that, not to diminish their other strong contenders, though. Oh, yeah, I don't mean that others are, are, are hopeless in any way whatsoever. I just say, for me, she's been the best. Look. And and as you say, she's certainly been given some of the best script material to work with, too. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of wonder what some of the others might have done had they been given those kinds of things to work with. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, and on top of that, she had the honor of being the companion, the named companion on November the 23rd, 2013. So, I mean, that right there is an honour. And again, a lot of the kudos must go to Peter Capaldi. I mean, and Matt Smith before. I mean, you raise, you get, again, leaves the man to ask. People raise the game when they know they're playing against talent. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the the, the joke in the acting business, everybody dances better when they dance with Fred Astaire. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. It's really true. All right, well, I guess time will tell, and we'll see how um, things pan out in the next series of Doctor Who when um, Bill is introduced and how th- what direction, uh, what chemistry they... I mean, because we only had a small little glimpse of it in this little featurette that was released, so we'll see what kind of chemistry that she has with uh, the 12th Doctor and um, and see if... And maybe you're right, maybe there's going to be more than one companion. Right now, there's only been one announced, and... Um, we're assuming that's all there there is going to be, but you know, then there's no, there's always sometimes there's those um, bridging you know extra companions that we've had you know um, you know like we in, going back to the Night Doctor you had Adam there for a couple of episodes you had um, you know you had uh, Will Wilford um, you know playing um, a, a companion in, in a few episodes you had um, you know the, those the, uh, Jack Hartness again you know. Um, sure. We've had failed ones, haven't we? The um, what was the one with the Minotaur in the um, 
in the hotel there was a was it Jenny oh, or someone? Um, what was that? that was... Yeah, can't remember her name, but yeah, I think we were all sort of pulling for her. Said, so, "Ooh, she'd be a great companion." Mm. No. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Kyle. You're supposed to be digging these things up. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm, 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 I'm trying. How did you know I was going through Wikipedia, even as we uh, <laughs> because, I, because I think all four of us are, and we fell silent <laughs> while we're doing. That. Well, then of course we Silence had we had the ultimate companion. Goes without say, chameleon. True, yeah. <laughs> Priceless. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm speaking but of companions that didn't work, um, the prop never really worked well, so. Well, that's the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> sort of a mannequin. Yeah. You know, I still would like to see a certain person become a companion at least for a couple of episodes because I think the playoff between uh, this person and Capaldi would be priceless as a traveling companion which would be Missy hmm. it still could happen yeah you know I, I, and you I, know what you know for maybe a, never, a couple story a, a story or two yeah and you know and never with the master would I have said but I miss the, I miss Missy. Well, then she lives up to our name. More Missy. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to say something nice. There you go. Do you know what that leads to, though? What does that lead to? Well, that's the last thing you do. <laughs> say something ah. nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm scrolling back through episodes and trying to remember yeah. what, what's the, what's the young man's name who was in the flatline, and um, then we saw him turn back up again uh, later. Um, you know, talking about he was the graffiti artist in the flatline. Oh, oh um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, yeah. I just I don't know his name. So, callers, phone in. <laughs> Anyway, I really liked him, and I liked his chemistry with the with the doctor also. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, it, so. So I'm thinking now that Bill is an is an anagram, or I mean, a, yeah, is an acronym that it's B I L L, and that represents the initials of the four members of the colony that <laughs> what we've seen on screen is made up of. Riggs, Riggs, it was that. Yes, Riggs. Ah, yes, okay. exactly. Thank mm. you. Yeah. So, so, so that's my bet. Okay, I'm going to put my money that Bill is is actually four entities that are somehow living inside the same 1980s outfit. Wow. Um, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. And they're actually all snakes. <laughs> I don't know. That's a terrible and, guess, but, but creative. You know, and that's part of the entire fun in all of this is we don't know. We you know, no spe idea. Spe right. It's total speculation. Right. Until the time comes and it passes, then we go back to this episode. I'm like, Lee was right. Lee was right. <laughs> How did he know? All right. Well, well, I imagine there are some things, you know, you've got 50 years to try something out. I think there's something that we found is that there is a chemistry. There is the doctor. There is his young, pretty female companion. There's 
there is something about that that works. And, you know, the show is not about to shoot itself in the foot by messing with that too much. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think. It just, I, I guess what we're kind of fearful is it just becoming too formulaic, you know, where it just becomes too much of a pattern. So if they can, I mean, they said they're doing things different this time, so we still have to give them the chance to see how this pans out. What we've seen so far is just a little, a two-minute little um, glimpse. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, um, we want to hear what you have to take. What's what's your you know what's your feelings on companions? What or maybe what era of Doctor Who you thought the companions were the best? And um, I've, you know we always welcome your feedback. And once again, we like to hear from you. So you can send your feedback to uh, feedback at net. And as I said before, you can record it. And because it is an audio podcast, so we do prefer audio recordings. But if you write, you know, we'll. Um, address it on the show as well. We'll we'll take your written email as well, your written feedback. Uh, you can send smoke signals. You can put a little message in a bottle. <laughs> Just as long as we get it, uh, we want to we want to hear what you have to say. Absolutely, Lucy. That's what we want to say. I think it was the God Complex and Lucy. Ah, Lucy, the God Complex. Yes. Oh, whoa. wipes his brow. <laughs> <laughs> all right well um i think that's gonna round things out here for our um our show and now um and talking about companions i i think kyle you might had a um you might have ran into a uh, a new companion yourself maybe it's a yes um uh, you know we were going to hold this and talk about it during our uh, feedback segment, which is, you know, like you said earlier when we were talking about it before we started recording, this is exactly what it is. It is feedback. So uh, Lee has already heard this story because we mentioned it on our other uh, endeavor that Lee and I are doing. But uh, for here, and because this is what the gentleman was talking about, I was doing what I normally do on my lunch break for Wednesdays, which is going to get comic books. And last Wednesday, I was doing that around lunchtime, was in line like I normally was, was talking up. I think we were talking about uh, Captain America, Civil War, back and forth of what you thought or comparing it to Superman, Batman, all that good stuff. And the gentleman behind me said, do I know you or something to that effect? And I you know, say, no, I don't think so. Or and then in a few minutes he's or you know we we talk a little more and he says your voice sounds really familiar could i ask your name and i said sure you know it's kyle jones and he said are you the same kyle jones from Podshock?" and right there i was like wow you know the 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 chance of here i am just doing what i normally do that i've done since i was a kid which is buy comic books and someone recognized me from my voice and i was like okay that is really cool so i uh, of course he asked about you know saying i love listening to you guys i've listened since about 2006 or 7 and you know i'm missing you guys and i said well you know we're planning to record something soon you know we were just this was actually the same day that we were planning on what day we were going to record this episode. So I said, you know, we're, we'll be back very soon. 
And so I got his card because I wanted to get his name. So, uh, Matthew, thank you for being a fan of Doctor Who Podshock. You know, thank you for making my day last Wednesday. And uh, if you're listening, you know, this is a shout out to you saying thank you. So thank you. It's, and you really did make his day. Well done. That's a great yes, story. It's um, it's one thing you know when you're a podcaster, you don't necessarily get recognized visually on site, but if they hear you, um, sometimes you may uh, get recognized. I, I had a similar experience um, the the first time at Gallifrey, where um, you know um, you 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 find that you, there's a crowd gathering around you, and you're wondering why. <laughs> why people are gathering you, you're just talking to like maybe a vendor or someone and then you realize oh you know the, 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 then they approach you like oh are, um are you so-and-so from dr Pachak? and you're like oh yes how did you know and then you realize oh they recognize my voice so it's um it's it's kind of a you know in a, in a sense it's kind of weird because you you go unnoticed until you speak <laughs> right so, so, so that was, the, you know, that was, you know, very nice and very kind of him. So I wanted to at least, you know, give a thank you and and because uh, he spoke very highly of the entire crew. So well, thank, um, thank you, you know, for to, next time you if you see him again, please extend um, our thanks and um, that and I shall do. We appreciate his him um, his uh, him listening. I think that's going to wrap things up. Again, speaking of listening, thank you all for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll be back on a more regular basis. And um, you know, to that end, we always want to hear your feedback. And I won't explain it again how to send feedback because I already said it twice this show. Um, you can also visit our site podshock.net, and there's more information there about sending feedback, but um, also information about um, episodes and um, some. Uh, little bios of those that are uh, you're listening to if you want to find out more about us if those voices behind the micro um behind the where, wherever you listen to um be it um back in the day was like people were listening to really essentially just on mp3 players you know now it's uh you could be listening on all different things um that you can get podcasts on and uh, you can um as always catch uh dave and ian on the um, well, it's it's the first Sunday of the month now, Dave. Uh, Dave? It's the last Sunday of the month at the moment. We're uh, we're sticking to the schedule of doing that, and uh, the topics are sort of kept um, in hand, as it were, till because there's been so many different breaking news. Is uh, in fact our last one in April that went out on the 24th of April was uh, episode 309, and, and, and we're talking titled, about the, the Coltham Collective, just. Indeed you do, yes. Uh, the Compton Collective Podcast, uh, and you can find us on iTunes. And so that was titled Announcing Who, uh, because that was uh, when this uh, latest announcement. So, uh, yeah, monthly for the moment. Uh, and as we've already explained, uh, Ian's absence today, that that follows on as well with uh, uh, Colton itself. All right. And not to be outdone... Lee and Kyle, you can hear them both on, um, it's, um, <laughs> disgusting, not disgusting, disgusting, <laughs> disgusting who? <laughs> I was, I was going to say not disgusting and then it came out. <laughs> Your ratings have just gone up. Which, um, they're, they're, they're in their, they're eight episodes out and about now. 
right? Yes? Right. Well, seven. 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 Oh, no, no, there will be eight. Yeah. Give us a couple more weeks. Yeah. Exactly. The eight exists yeah. uh, in our minds. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're, we're having, I would say, an absolutely, correct me if I'm wrong, we're having an absolute ball doing this. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Lewis and uh, Dave, I have a new respect for you, especially uh, from the perspective of keeping everything going and uh, keeping myself on track. Uh, but, I, but I am enjoying the conversations that I'm having with Lee, as well as our other co-host, Clarence Brown. We're having a lot of fun doing it and, um, you know, I personally wouldn't be doing this without my experience with Doctor Who Podshock. So, you know, new respect uh, from you guys. So thank you. Well, that's the, the key thing is that you're having fun doing it. And if you're having fun doing Absolutely. it, then that, that, that gets conveyed over to the, to the audience. And that's what it's all about. There you go. And I think, Lee, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we're having fun. What about you? <laughs> yeah, definitely having fun. Yeah, this last one. We were talking about Captain America Civil War. Was That was a ball. That was we, we, we had a great time doing that. So, so yeah, I hope this has come across the uh, through the podcast tonight because I've enjoyed this tonight, guys. And uh, Absolutely. Thank you for being here, both all, well, all three of you. And uh, um, you can find um, both those uh, collective, uh, uh, Colton Collective, and discussing Doctor, uh, dis- discussing who, discussing. Not, not, not Doctor Who, but just discussing who. Uh, both uh, are um, via uh, well, your favorite place where you can find podcasts, um, be it iTunes yeah. or elsewhere. Woohoo! Okay. Woo-hoo. Well, until next time, then, I will see you or hear you or um, feel you then. Smell you later. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. By the way... How's Sergeant Benton these days? Oh, left the army in 79, a sell second-hand car somewhere. And Harry Sullivan? Seconded to NATO. Last heard of doing something very hush-hush at the port and down. Do you ever see anything of Joe Grant? What? My assistant, Joe Grant. Joe Grant. Joe Grant. Sarah Jane? Liz Shaw, you'll remember, of course. Liz Shaw. Liz Shaw. Are you all right? Someone just walked over my grave. Perhaps it was a Yeti. Colonel Lethbridge Stewart. One lump, one lump, two, one lump, two. Bless my soul.
Doctor. You've done it again, Doctor. 